på eventyr For jeg har fått et kall Og fanget noen rare dyr Okay, welcome back to Mon Men. I am Yanato Blue here once again with Michael Darling. And before we dive into this week's episode, a little bit of a housekeeping note and preview. Uh, this episode is airing and releasing on May 14th, but this coming Friday, uh, to celebrate the recent release of Detective Pikachu, Michael Darling and I will be releasing an episode, a uh, spoiler cast episode for Detective Pikachu. So watch your feeds for that. But today we're joined by a special guest. Seth Hansen. Seth is the host of a delightful podcast called 40s on 40s. And Seth, how would you explain that concept? Well, it's basically uh, me and my co-host Josh Rossi uh, review top 40s while drinking 40s. That's the premise. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. I believe you've got episode 40 coming up soon. Yes, episode 40 is currently being edited. Uh, it should be up sometime this week. We've been taking a little bit of a break due to varying musical things, uh, but that episode should be up very, very soon. I mean, good problems to have being that busy. But uh, you know what else is a good problem to have is another game of Mon Mom. Can I interest you in a game? Oh, you may. You may interest me. All right. So as of this episode, Michael Darling sits as our reigning champ of a with a scoreboard of six to one against wow. our co-hosts. That's an impressive scoreboard lead. I suffered my first loss in the previous episode. So okay, okay. He somehow got the beat on my mom's read on these things, but. <laughs> This week, my mom is describing one of the only five Pokemon that we'll be going through today. Mm. Uh, we're going to be going through the Magnemite family. We're going to be dealing with Duck with Stick, finally. And we're going to be yes. dealing with the Doduo family. Cool. Um, so here we go, gentlemen. This Pokemon looks like a duck, and I will name it Dundu. Okay, so, Mr. Darling, if you could enter your guess first. Uh, okay, I finally get to go first because I'm coming off a loss. I like it, I like it. <laughs> Alright, um, well, I feel like this might be the obvious answer since we do have Farfetch'd, a duck who has a stick. And since she says it looks like a duck, I'm going to assume it's Farfetch'd. Wait, you're guessing which Pokemon? Farfetch'd. Which one is that again? I have to check my notes. Magnemite, duck, duck with stick, gotcha. Seth, your guess. You know, um, the fact that she said duck and not duck with stick makes me a little bit uh, hesitant to immediately guess for Farfetch'd, but I think I might have to also side with Darling on this one. I think I'm also going to have to go for duck with stick for All my right. guess. Gentlemen, the scoreboard moves, but in both cases, it's now 7-2. to two. I Hooray. thought in that case the scoreboard didn't move. Eh, we're still going to count. Okay, We're whatever. still going to count them. I mean, Hooray. I think 7-2 sounds better than 6-1 to one at least. So let's give, <laughs> and let's also recognize that Seth had the right guess. This so I think that's Thank why you. I want to move yeah. the scoreboard. Well done, Seth. Well Thank done. Thank you. So Seth, if you want to start us off, tell us a little bit about your history with uh, Pokemon. Well, you know, uh, my history with Pokemon goes back all the way to Gen 1. Uh, Pokemon Red was my first one of my first game boy games i ever owned uh it was that super mario land and mm. tetris those were the first three game boy games i ever owned um of course because it had charizard on the front i had to go with pokemon red because um, i mean who, what could beat a fire dragon the answer is not really much um a turtle with two water cans on its back perhaps i mean it's pretty cool you know I mean, that's my thinking as to why I chose Charizard in the game. 
exactly. But which version did you pick? Uh, I bought the blue version. Uh, well, there you go. I was uh, playing a complicated psychological game here. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see. Um, Every day you move closer to becoming Jigsaw. I hope you know that. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was just like, I see a fire dragon, I have to go with that. You know, I'm a simple man with simple desires. Um, but since Gen 1, I basically have played all of them up to, I want to say Ruby Sapphire was the last one I really, like, deep dove into. So the first three generations? Yeah. Cool. Uh, then I took a pretty extensive break until Pokemon Go hit the waves, and then I just immediately hopped back on in full force. Um, although, le- recently I haven't gone on in a little bit because of some varying, uh, amounts of real life work (laughs) but soon i hope to be getting back and you know catching critters in no time so that's about it good stuff good stuff good to me so darling if you want to tell us about the first of today's critters (laughs) and i think we need to use that term very loosely here because this brings up some very weird questions about what qualifies as a critter yeah we got some weird ones this week uh, starting off, leading off, is Magnemite, which is an electric-slash-steel type. And I want to point out that originally it was just straight electric. It got retconned later to steel when they included that type in Gen 2. And it was first encountered at the Kanto Power Plant. So there's a good chance you might not see this one if you don't go anywhere. Well, if you don't go to the Power Plant, because that's a highly optional dungeon. That's right. And it wasn't even an optional dungeon in the way that some dungeons, quote-unquote, are optional in Japanese RPGs, which is to say that it wasn't like there was any kind of a difficulty curve that made it worthwhile. It just right. might be if you really wanted an extra electric Pokemon to fill out your uh, your bench. Yeah, you go there for Zapdos, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the entire Yeah, that's where Zapdos lives. And for Electabuzz, I believe. Oh, yeah, those are there, too. Yeah. E-Buzz. We're going to get to him soon. Oh, yeah. man. But, uh, but, yeah, so continuing our... Amazing beta names. This Pokemon was originally <laughs> named Coil. And okay. it's still called that in Japan. Interesting. It's not even a coil. Well, I guess there's a coil on like the screws in its head, which leads into the more like kind of weird aspect that I have problems with this Pokemon is that it's another Pokemon. We've already talked about Pokemon with like clothing being so weird. <laughs> but yes. a Pokemon that is composed of man made parts. Right. Like, this thing has Phillips head screws as a part of its biology and its body. Um, It's true. And they're noted as being part of the Pokemon's body in the Pokedex and all that, um, and in the data that we have. So, this is just the weirdest concept of a quote-unquote living creature to me, because Mm. apparently these things are alive, they do emote, they do have all the other aspects Seth, you brought up a uh, Pokemon episode. Yeah, uh, it's episode 30, for those keeping track at home. <laughs> uh, I think it's called Sparks Fly from Magnemite. And it's basically an episode where Pikachu gets really sick, and they go into, uh, they go near the power plant, and a Magnemite becomes actually attracted to Pikachu and follows them around for the episode. Yeah. Um, I forget what the uh, what the whole thing was. There was something where it turns out that Pikachu like had an overabundance of electrical energy pent up or something. Yeah. So mm. what ended up being the answer to the problem was that Pikachu had become like somehow magnetized, which made it sick because it's an electric type Pokemon. <laughs> so because it's <laughs> because it, it's not made of metal, it being magnetized was an issue. And so when it became demagnetized at the end of the episode, Magnemite ignored it and left. Oh yeah, I do remember Pikachu kind of like being a little bit like. 
like surprised like magnemite was suddenly floating away from it mm-hmm. so this magnemite was a succubus slash incubus yeah exactly wow uh but it ended up helping them defeat a bunch of grimers and that's actually the episode where ash catches his first muck and oh I think yeah the muck, muck that we referenced that he used in the indigo league yeah to mm-hmm. uh beat that bell sprout mm-hmm. that murderous bell sprout well, I mean, he had it coming. Yeah, I mean, it was just like it's you know, it's like a killer bell sprout. Yeah. Like it's beyond the capacity of a normal bell sprout for damage, I think. Yeah, but Magnemite's basically every fuckboy on Tinder that you know. <laughs> Pretty much. Once he loses that attraction, just instantly ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't get near him. I'm gonna go to these other magnetized balls in my area. That's just kind of. It's the name of the game. <laughs> well, while we're in that neighborhood, I want to point out that Magnemite is the first genderless Pokemon in the decks. Obviously, this was added in Gold and Silver, but still, like it's the first one that does not have a gender. Uh, like, and you can breed them if you've got a Ditto, but outside of that, nothing. Huh. You could probably build one in your garage workshop <laughs> if, you had, if you had some spare Phillips heads lying around. All right, I want to bring up the Phillips head. Because this is just what's very weird to me about this design. Is that in-game they are depicted as being thousands of years old. uh, Despite looking like they were made in the 20th century. uh, Right down to having like magnets and a Phillips head screw. Which in our world was not invented until the 30s. And just a fun little fact about Ain't Capitalism Grand. The Phillips head was actually invented by a guy named John P. Thompson who then sold the design to Henry Phillips, who made it popular and put his name on it. So that's a Thompson screw. John P. Thompson is the most 20th century inventor-ass name you could possibly <laughs> drop right now. <laughs> I feel like if I go back in-game, I just need to na- name a Magnemite Thompson now, mm. just to give him credit, you know? I'm naming it JP. <laughs> JP. <laughs> JP. Oh, uh, yeah. So, it's a weird design. It is kind of a weird design, and it also has, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm remembering the design, it actually has, like, two little smaller screws near the bottom of it. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and they kind of, like, move around. The only reason why I remember that is because in Pokemon Stadium, <clears throat> which I'll mm. bring up later for the other Pokemon we'll be discussing this episode, um, when it faints, it demagnetizes and all the parts fall off of oh, it. Oh, God. Which That's... is kind of horrifying. Um, if you think about them being parts of its body, um, I don't even want to think about, you know, the implications of that. I do love that the 3D games have, a, like, just a little element of body horror sometimes. For sure. And just, like, these little things about that just make you question the concept of what is a living creature. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, take Muck, for example, who you guys have already talked about. When it faints, it just kind of melts into a big puddle of goo. Like, does it have any organs? Like, we see it has eyes and, like, some discernible, like, concept of a mouth. Right. And it has, like, appendages it can make. So. It's very Sandman. It is very Sandman. (laughs) I'd say more Swamp Thing, but I like where your head's at. We're in that same realm of Vertigo. Yeah, I was thinking of that scene in Spider-Man 3, the lesser of the Spider-Man films. Well, not even the least of them (laughs) at this point. Sorry, you meant Sandman, the Marvel villain, not Sandman, the Neil Gaiman DC comic. Yeah, no. He, I mean, oh. although he is very formless too, because technically he's dream. He has yeah. whatever form you want him to take in your dreams. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but we're getting into some Neil Gaiman lore. Uh, here Clearly, I'm point. on the right podcast if we're talking about Neil Gaiman and Vertigo and all that. Seth is wearing a Deadpool slash Portal T-shirt. So yes. yeah. 
It is it is an unfortunate epidemic of this Pokemon podcast that we spend at best fifty percent of the podcast talking about Pokemon. So welcome to the show. Hey, well, glad to be here. <laughs> so in continuing in that vein of bringing up everything but Pokemon, I'm going to say that right. I was tempted to associate this with the Matrix and just like draw your imagination to imagine Morpheus's ship being pursued by thousands of Magnemite through the tunnels under Zion. That's hilarious. But instead, the eye on Magnemite reminds me even more of like growing up a child Saturday afternoons when WPIX, which later became the WB channel mm. and is now CW, mm-hmm. um, they would like they would play the most low budget, crappy 80s and 90s movies. And one of them that I grew up loving was Short Circuit. Oh wow. Johnny cool. Five. Yeah. This thing is it's Johnny Five's like little puppy boy. Um That's hilarious. And, and the short circuit movies, talk about like how many movies from that era have not aged well. Short circuit just <laughs> 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 Tell me, how woke are the sexual politics in that movie? I really wanna know. I can't remember the sexual politics. The main thing for me is that, uh, as I've covered before, I am from Trinidad. I'm a man of Indian descent, and I found out like later on in life, thanks to Master of None of all things, that the Indian guy in that movie was actually a dude in brown face. Yeah, Fisher Stevens. Wow. Yeah, fuck that. Wow. Like, thanks, Aziz, for pointing that out. Sorry, Aziz, you're canceled still. <laughs> Damn. It's intense, though. Yeah. Yeah. But if you want something funny, look at I'll put it in the show notes as I always promise to. There'll be a YouTube link to the dramatic climactic action scene for Short Circuit 2, <laughs> which makes no sense nowadays because he's trying to race a timer to catch the bad guy and the timer's like oh, when his man. battery's going to run out and it's like, "Oh no, his memory will be wiped." Nowadays we're like What's the cloud? Like, where's, <laughs> right. when was his last backup? <laughs> right. Or we'd plug in an external battery to his back or something. He's got a USB port. Now, just as a quick side note, because that reminded me of something else that is also not Pokemon related. But... Sorry, Seth. We don't do side notes here. We don't take <laughs> detours. This is a serious Pokemon podcast. Sorry. Please follow your script. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's written right here in scribbled pencil. Damn, he's got us. Um, but there's that joke about um, the guy who's Ant-Man, uh, Paul, Rudd. Paul Rudd, and how whenever he's on Conan... Um, he has a running gag with Conan that he's had for the last like 20 years where he will, um, he'll be like, oh yeah, here's a clip from my new movie. And he'll always show the same clip from this really bad, like eighties, nineties movie. Mac and me. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Mac and me. A terrible ET ripoff. It is. And the scene involves a a (laughs) child in a wheelchair (laughs) accidentally being rolled down a hill. Yes. And in the process, like the brake snaps off. There's a little girl that runs towards him. And then you get probably the best effect in cinematic history, which is a dummy strapped to a wheelchair just being flung off a cliff, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like into a bed of water. And then just like the perfect like alien head looks up and like narrows its eyes. Oh, yeah, it's the best. And the alien, if you haven't seen this clip, we'll probably have to link one of these Paul Rudd Conan appearances in the show notes. Uh, looks kind of like E.T. if he was out in the sun for too long. Like, he was <laughs> melted and misshapen and made out of really bad clay. It's pretty yeah. great. The best was when he was promoting the first Ant-Man. Yes. He promised Conan, well, Marvel's very serious about this. They're not going to let me do the joke. Everything's going to be normal for once. It's okay. And so we see at the start of the Ant-Man clip, Ant-Man and the ants are running underground, and then they run into this tunnel, smash cut to... <laughs> yep, the Mac and me scene. And except it- at the very end... <laughs> 
after Mac pops his head up to look at the kid drowning in the water, Ant-Man pops up behind him. It says, sorry. Oh my god, yeah. it's the best, dude. <laughs> I, think the, I think he somehow got Conan to agree to that before it was at all obvious how big he would someday be. Because like, right. what was his first appearance on that show? Like, Clueless or something like that? That's a great question. Mm. I don't know. It was when he was really young. And I mean, yeah. Paul he Rudd... He still it's, is. Yeah, it's hard to tell that, Paul, that it's been... Right. That that running joke has been going for close to 20 years now. Because yeah. Paul Rudd looks just like the same age except slightly more clean shaven at times in yeah that. <laughs> yeah i mean the joke is that you could tell because like the quality of the video is bad but paul rudd still looks exactly the same which <laughs> <laughs> is really strange a picture of dorian gray slash paul rudd Exa- the picture of paul rudd <laughs> yeah, yeah except he's got a picture that's getting older which now that I realize that that's what Dorian is doing too, let's edit that out, please. Nope. Fuck. <laughs> Staying in. God damn it. Dang. Anyway. Yeah. Funny. You mentioned the thing about these Magnemites chasing Morpheus's ship, and mm-hmm. that just brings me to uh, one of my favorite Pokedex entries about from the Ruby Pokedex. Magnemites attach itself to power lines to feed on electricity. If your house has a power outage, check your circuit breakers. You may find a large number of this Pokemon clinging to the breaker box. That's terrifying. So, yeah, so first there's this nice little horror element. But then I started thinking about, like, imagine, honey, power's out. Take the broom. There might be some Magnemites to whack away. <laughs> I feel like more than the broom, you want to grab a couple magnets off the refrigerator. That might right. work better. Just, like, <laughs> fling them at them. Those are snakes. Hey, 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 look, look. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if, like, I mean, yeah, if you have a city that's near, like, a major power plant, I wonder if they just have to line it with, like, aluminum or, like, some kind of, like, a metallic surface to, like, attract Magnemites away from it. Yeah, I think I read something, like, I don't remember where I saw this, but I think it's mentioned in some game or in some other media that the Kanto power plant and other power plants around the regions have some kind of microwave frequency going on just to keep Magnemites away. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. it's all, I'm sure you guys have talked about this before on the podcast, but it's always so interesting thinking about, like, real-world applications for, like, problems that arise when Pokemon are, like, real hmm. and are, like, in the real world. Like, you have to <laughs> make, like, magnetic waves come out of all your power plants. You have to, like, make sure all your boats are equipped to, like, fight off, like, random rogue Gyaradoses that pop up. This is true. We do focus a lot on Mons. In Mons World, we focus a lot on the Pokemon being used by humans, but we don't really talk a whole lot about them in the wild, or at least how they would change how we conduct our lives. So, yeah, yeah no, like... Cities would just be rampant with all kinds of electrical insulation issues and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, I mean, this is a civilization that's had electricity through Pokemon for thousands of years. So Yeah. True. But, I mean, S- San Francisco would probably have more commuter delays because of Magnemite ruining the uh, cable car lines <laughs> than it does from human fecal matter already. That's true. Although, that being said, the Grimer would probably be attracted to the human mm. fecal matter, so you might have that problem, too. So, yeah, you'd probably have Grimer mu- mucking up the <laughs> subway <laughs> No pun intended, well, but... Uh, um, yeah, speaking of San Francisco and, like, the fecal matter problem, I read an article that apparently, <laughs> <laughs> that apparently in the past three years, the number of reported incidents of human feces, like, ruining public places has, like, tripled. Yeah, it's in bad. In San Francisco, yeah. Uh, I lived there for a year, a couple years ago, and there was actually an app where people could track where the fecal matter was in the city, oh. like its concentrations, uh. sometimes specific instances of it that hadn't been cleaned up. It was uh, 
It's kind of intense. And this is what happens when the tech industry slowly destroys a great American city. And I was about to say, if there was any city that was going to have a poop tracking app first, it was going to be tech industry heart of San Francisco. Yeah, for sure. You know, I wonder if you could actually take Grimer and Magnemite and maybe, like, combat those kind of problems. Like, I wonder if Grimers would, like, consume the fecal matter and so you could, like, get, like, a crew of them to just, like, roam around San Francisco and just eat garbage for you i actually i do really like that idea you may want you should have saved that for mon's world oh Jesus. man Sorry. i mean we're talking about grimer a week ahead of schedule here for one thing but. maybe i should stop talking about about mons that are a week ahead of schedule and focus on the real task at hand which is these weird one-eyed magnetized flying doodads yeah. well do we have any closing thoughts on the first magnetized doodad or do we want to move yeah. on to the triplicate just doodad? a little b- few bits of trivia because this Pokemon, despite being like you know, not one of the more exciting, sexy ones, has some interesting <laughs> things. Like I mentioned, it's the first genderless. It's the first Pokemon to have its type changed mm. in the game. It gets the steel typing, as I said. And alongside the Zubat and Psyduck lines, it's one of the few that has appeared in every ver- well in a version of every region's Pokedex. Wow. So it's just those three. And Which, I can understand Zubats. I can maybe understand Psyduck, but Magnite is a weird choice to have as a like perfect attendee. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that. I mean, the design is... It's definitely a creative design, mm. but it's a weird design. That, Like I've said, the fact that this is supposedly a living creature, which all Pokemon are supposed to be like... We don't have metal-based life forms anywhere in the world. Like, right. Yeah. Which, I speculated this in the notes for a later segment, but does that imply that Magnemite and, Magne- and uh, Magneton do have, like, inner gooey cores? And that the metal is just an exoskeleton? Because we do have that. We've noted that on past episodes. That it there blinks. are... Yeah, that there are creatures on in the real world that have metal incorporated mm-hmm. in their exoskeletons and shells. So... It's just a creepy thing to believe that there is a creature that evolved through any kind of means, um, not even in the Pokemon evolution sense, but just grew up this way. Yeah, right. Encased in metal and with man-made accoutrements. Hmm. Right. I mean, you could almost take it as sort of like a creepy, like urban sort of hermit crab, where maybe it was a kind of organism that existed, and being around enough steel and metal, it just kind Mm -hmm. of like composed that as part of its body. And that just kind of evolved it over time. No pun intended, but... I mean, I'm going to tread on some potentially touchy territory here and just say that religiously, I feel like this is why we don't see Christianity anywhere in the Pokemon anime, because this just calls the concept of life. (laughs) We do see Santa, though. Oh, well, Santa. Santa's gone gone the way of, of, uh, of... spanning religion he's mm. a, he transcends it's true um cool. so but yeah no that's why like there is no consistent concept of what is life the fact that these inanimate objects can be given life a magnet a couple phillips heads and then like a metal ball bearing yeah right that's it that's <laughs> yeah. all you need for a for that's all you need for life you could make this monster at home it wouldn't be alive but you could make one right yeah yeah. So, thoughts for your next Halloween costume? You do not have to buy a po- a Pikachu uh, little plush to complete your Ash Trainer costume. You can just put a magnet onto a metal ball. That's oh, amazing. that's good. I like that. Uh, one other thought I have is that uh, while I do think this is an adorable design, it's interesting to me. Like, this is the exact kind of design that if it appeared in a later generation, you'd hear people say, "Game Freak's running out of ideas. Pokemon are supposed to be animals. A magnet Pokemon. Come on." Like, you hear about Vanillite or Trubbish or Clink, 
like basically being magnemite but minus the electric powers um yeah so i just find it interesting that within the first generation they already are doing ones that are like so clearly a thing from around the office that they've given life. <laughs> that Andy Samberg digital short where he's coming up with the excuse for why he was late to Kevin Spacey, <laughs> <laughs> who is also still canceled, very still canceled, very mm-hmm. much still canceled. I'm glad we could uh, touch on that. I did recently read somewhere about how House of Cards actually ended, and because I never watched the last season, I didn't either. I only watched the first and the superior British version. I might add. Well, aren't you cool? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Does the British version end with Frank Underwood's wife? killing somebody in the prime minister's office or whatever it is for the british version wait really that's, that's how it ends on this show spoilers she straight up murdered someone in the oval office straight up murdered somebody. that's hilarious <laughs> i mean that fucking show i'm not gonna spoil who she murders though so there you go right. i have guesses but i don't care um <laughs> <laughs> right i mean i'm not gonna spoil the british version because i think it is something that is worth spending your time it is only 18 episodes it is less than the entire run of the American version, and it is great. Nice. Yeah. Like, check that out. They tell the entire story of like the first two seasons of American House of Cards in one season of six episodes. Oh. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Like yeah, that it's too. a great... The original House of Cards and the two sequel series are great. Like They're just, again, three seasons, six episodes of each season. Wonderful show. Uh, I'm blanking on the lead actor's name, but he's just delightful. Like Frank. Urquhart. I mean, there are only five British actors. They just get yeah, used true. in everything. Like, <laughs> just cycle I, I want to wrap this up now because this is clearly going into a tangent that very few people care about. But and we don't do tangents here. Stop. It's true. Uh, but Francis Urquhart, the British version, he feels more like warm and kind of inviting you, Richard the Third style, into his conspiracy. Mm. Like, oh, you're part of this too, in kind right. of a, like winking. We've got each other, don't we? But you know I'll betray you in the end right. way. Whereas Underwood, Frank Underwood, always was more just like, oh, you're enjoying this, aren't you? Well, fuck you. <laughs> He's kind of talking down to you the whole time yeah. for being in it. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. oh, you're watching this streaming television program now that I'm doing these gnarly things, and you're taking pleasure from it. Fuck you. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. How did we get onto the Looney Tunes? Because you're doing Foghorn Leghorn now. So was Kevin Spacey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> ah, there we go. There's the connection. All right. So let's move into the uh, other validation of what Darling was saying before we got onto British TV, <laughs> um, which is the other indication that, you know, people kind of like cry out like, this is an unoriginal design is when the evolution is just, let's just make more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. See, see, that's why I was excited to be on this episode. Cause I feel like there's multiple ones that are just like, Oh wait, there's one of them. Let's just do like a couple of them. And that's the evolution. Yeah. <laughs> this might be the one episode where darling is actually more angry than I am. <laughs> I don't think I'm angry. I just think there's some lazy design work here. Well, I was going to say this is spoiling another Pokemon that we aren't talking about this episode, but it's, it might be a little bit better than, just being like, oh, is this the first form? Let's just flip it upside down and make it smiley. <laughs> <laughs> and that's its evolution. Not going to spoil who that is, but you know who I'm yeah, talking it's gonna about. It's going to be a few seasons. You can say it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking Voltorb and Electro. Oh, fuck it. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, okay, we've got this thing. Let's just turn it upside down and like maybe make give it a smiley face. I like that. That's its evolution. Yeah. Like, Voltorb is just kind of like 
an angry little bastard. <laughs> and then the Electrode is like, hey, I'm a wise guy, ain't I? I'm gonna blow Another up on future you. war criminal to be added to the podcast, <laughs> Hag. Um, Basically, any Pokemon that knows self-destruct but, has been used for war crimes. Let's all right. Real. But before Darling gets any more angry, I'm going to get angry with my favorite topic to get angry about on this podcast, which is math. <laughs> oh, I was, no. I thought it was Ash Ketchum being a dumbass. But. Oh, that's my that's that's not a favorite. That's just something that happens. <laughs> um, but, okay, so some math for you. I didn't touch on this with the Magnemite section because I wanted to tie it together with the Magneton section, which mm-hmm. is that Magnemite are one foot tall, 13 pounds. Okay. That's what the Pokedex says officially. Okay. Wow, Magnemite uh, are a foot tall. That's huge. Yeah. I'm taking notes that here. So way yeah. bigger okay. than I'm. So, that so is double way check my math. 13 pounds. Yes. Okay. 13 pounds. That's bigger than I'm. Magneton, the Pokedex literally just says, are three Magnemite okay. just hanging All out. All right. Cool. Or bonded. Right. But either way, it's just three Magnemite. And Magneton. Okay. So uh, 39 pounds, right? That's what the math says here. That's what it should say. But I feel actually... like that guy on MSNBC, whenever it's election night, he's just <laughs> at the board sweating like, look, if you look here, Pennsylvania means that this means that it's going to be a tie just in this district. And that would make you Nate Silver of this podcast, because guess what? Magneton weigh 130 pounds. What? So your math is off, sir. That's a lot. That's like 100 pounds more. There's Yeah, there's close to 100 pounds that just... It wait, just comes out of sheer wish fulfillment. All right, wait. 13. Wow. Let me make sure I got this right. 13 times 3 equals 130. Okay, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Okay, so we're so, here doing math. Too. Well, here's my question, though. In the I, I didn't check beforehand uh, as, as deeply into the lore as you guys did, but how tall does it say that Magneton is? Because I wonder if... I didn't even bother checking the height because at that oh, point, I'm just like... expecting it to be five feet well, tall. Right. <laughs> I've got, I have Pokemon Go open right now, and it says that its height is 0.3 meters, Magnemite. Okay. Whereas a... the height of Magneton is one meter. So they're not fucking with the height as much. Yeah. Okay. It's just that 90 pounds magically So appears. I wonder if... Huh. I wonder if they get denser... When they combine, is yeah. there some kind of process that maybe happens? Yeah, because it's ten times as dense. So they go from being aluminum to being like tungsten steel or something exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. There we go. That's believable. Something in the process. Better defense. I mean, I am no expert on physics, but maybe something about the magnetic force of the uh, three magnemites pulling against each other to make a magneton. I'm just throwing up my arms here. I don't know. Aliens. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot that I, forgot that I wasn't sitting with Carl Sagan. Have to remind myself it's Michael Darling. There we go. He cracked the code, people. Hey, it's just science. Um, one thing that I do want to note here, which I think is hilarious, is I really wish that there was like so Magnezone, which is the the later gen evolution of Magneton. It turns into it sort of like melds. It turns into kind of this flying saucer looking guy. It's a cool design. I it's say. a fun design, but I sort of wish that. The evolution of it had just been four Magnemites instead of three, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe fuck it, go with six. Or or you could you could cube it and you could go nine Magnemites Ooh. instead of three. <laughs> I just I just think it'd be funny if like its evolution is just more and more Magnemites. It should have just been like enough Magnemite like forming like either a devil's pentagram or like an anarchy symbol. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Just make guess what? Make Magnemite metal as fuck. There you go. Hey. Boom. <laughs> there you go. Or like the Magnum or the the Magnezone's 
like if they looked like that could maybe like form letters in the air and they could like spell things out like to talk to you <laughs> the unknowns fun. called and they said there's like you're stealing their bit exactly exactly maybe magnetons and unknowns would have something to say to each other <laughs> um they'd spell it out yeah exactly but yeah so this the, is another hold up, hold up we need p to come in one sec <laughs> one sec this is another Pokemon that we see depicted floating a whole lot that does not have the levitate ability, but darling, there is a workaround that they created for that, apparently. Yeah. Uh, in Gen 4, they introduced the move Magnet Rise, which makes the Ooh. user, including the Magnemite line, immune to ground-type attacks, similar to the levitate ability, but only for five turns. Huh. So, you get that ground resistance, but only for five turns after using that line, that attack. That seems... Oh, so it's an actual, is it an actual, like, TM move that the Pokemon has? Uh, I don't know if it's TM, like, off <laughs> Or not TM, head, but, but it's, it's, like, a learned Yeah, move. it's a move that you can teach it one way or another. Interesting. But that still sucks that you have to use up a move slot for something that should be an inherent ability of the you Pokemon. You would think. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of thought that Magneton had Levitate in maybe, like, Gold and Silver or in, like, another version. Well, they didn't add... Uh, the abilities until I think the third gen. So. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'd have wow. to double check that. Yeah. But I think you're, I think you're right. I think Gold and Silver introduced like items like berries. Yeah. And then holding things. Yeah. 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 Oh, was man. it? Was it? Oh yeah, you could hold the berries. That was the whole point of the berries. Yeah, exactly. Right. The berry, it would heal automatically. Yeah. yeah. It's just I... like you know your uh, your Chikorita remembers. Oh, I've got a little berry on my back. I can eat right now when mm -hmm. my health is low. The reason I remember that is because. Um, because I was, like, a big fan of the art of, like, Pokemon, because I would get Nintendo Power, and I was always mm. into, like, the different, like, art styles that would slowly evolve over the games. And I remember the berries being a big part of, like, the promotional art for mm -hmm. that game. Yeah, I was a big fan of the very more kind of, like, watercolory type of art that they had with, like, the for original sure. gen oh, yeah. Yeah. promotional materials. They had yeah. that through at least a second, for sure. But yeah. yeah. Um, closing thoughts on Magneton, by the way? Um, I just think it's hilarious. I wonder, well, so in, in the notes here, um, sometimes you see Magneton aren't actually connected, but that they just sort of float around each other, and they just sort of are referred to as one Pokemon. Yeah, partic that's particular to Pokemon Snap, apparently, that they just kind of like, met, right. like if you take a photo of the three Magnemite that are not connected, <laughs> and that's the one time they're depicted that way, apparently. Interesting. Is, hmm. Yeah, it's, but it'll say you've captured a picture of Magneton. Well, Professor instance. Oak is old and kind of dumb. He just sees three Magnemites and goes, oh, that's a Magneton. I think he's just trying to give you the check plus on your homework assignment in Pokemon Snap so he <laughs> can go and visit Delia sooner. Yeah, that's, that's probably, true. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, what's interesting is in the, like, it says it's three Magnemites that are connected for some reason. Uh, but <clears throat> the... In the anime, we see a Magnemite evolve on its own and create two other Magnemites in the process to oh. make it a Magneton. This is a self-replicating life form. Huh. Yeah, but Game Freak, I'm going to give you guys a tip. How about this? Make it in future generations that if you happen to have three Magnemite in your party, they automatically attract and evolve into a Magneton that with would... the average shared level that they all have. That would be so hmm. cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Same thing with, like, Slowbro, and if you had a Shelter in your party, yeah, boom, that'd be automatic. Amazing. Yeah. It's weird to me that the Magnet parts aren't the ones that are connected to each other. There's a lot of weirdness yeah. about this thing. I mean, the design's fine. That's all I can say. It's fine. I think it's another is what it is yeah. design. We've had those before. Zubat is 
a, an annoying bat yeah. Pokemon, right. while this is just a uh, machine Pokemon that likes to eat electricity. Right. Mm. Did Did Magneton have Tri-Beam? Was that one of its moves? Because I know that Porygon does. Huh. I'll look into that right now and just double check that. Because okay. I want to say maybe. Maybe, but I can't say for sure. Yes. One last thing. Uh, just We mentioned Coil is Magnemite's beta name and Japanese name. Uh, it's beta name, Magneton's beta name, rather, was Recoil, which, cute pun, to be honest. Yeah. I, you and know what? I think after Abra, Kadabra, and Alakazam, like, I, I, I like it sometimes when the name has that kind of, like, Coil and Recoil. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. this one, they didn't need to. They yeah. already hit the, they already struck gold with Alakazam, the Alakazam line. Yeah. yeah. Well, its Japanese name, its proper Japanese name is Rare Coil. So it is a coil that is rare. Okay. There you go. Yeah. All right. So on to Duck with Stick. Duck with Stick. Duck with Stick. I've been waiting for this one since episode one. Who? Duck with Stick. Who? Duck with Stick. Never heard of it. You might know him as Dundu. Uh, that's not where I expected the bit to go. Anyhow, yeah, so Farfetch'd is a normal-slash-flying type, also known as Duck with Stick, uh, that is first encountered <laughs> in... This is very interesting. I love this. There's only one in the original Red and Blue games. That's right. And you only get it from an in-game trade in Vermilion City. Uh, in Red, it's for a Spiro. In Blue, it's for a Pidgey. And you cannot name this Farfetch'd anything because it's already been named Ducks by its trainer. Plural, yep. with an X. Yeah, yep. yep. because it's the 90s. Uh, instantly, because the first two gens keyboard didn't have an apostrophe, you couldn't restore a nickname Farfetch to its species name after you'd nicknamed it. Wow. Yeah. Also, let it be known that Ducks, uh, miraculously, if you guys ever watched the Twitch Plays Pokemon yes. stream, is what their Farfetch was named uh, because of that. But it, co- it kind of became infamous uh, as one of the Pokemon that hung around the longest oh, yeah. in that Twitch stream. Until so. it got murdered on a bloody Sunday in the yeah. game. Did you ever watch Twitch Plays Pokemon, that whole phenomenon a couple years ago, Baloo? I followed it a little bit. I read up on it. I have never watched it. Okay. It's a beautiful thing. But the idea of a Farfetch'd being murdered <laughs> breaks my heart because, God, I love this Pokemon. It's Sorry, which Pokemon? Uh, Farfetch'd. I'm now gracing him with his name because I've been because I'm have to share how much I love this Pokemon. Baloo takes an improv class and refuses to yes and. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to note that there's a part on the notes that just says duck with stick, duck with stick, duck with stick, duck with stick, Uh, and I appreciate that. Literally thirty more times than he read. Yes. Um, Because do you have any thoughts on duck with stick? Um, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on (laughs) duck with stick. Uh, that's that's actually the reason why I chose this episode to be on because of my uh, love for Duck with Stick as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was delighted when Pokemon Go decided to open the regional lock on mm-hmm. it and have it in America for like a couple days. Yeah, because for those of you who don't play Pokemon Go, it's normally Farfetch'd is normally a regional exclusive Pokemon to Asia. Yes, but. Uh, in November 2017, they had a delightful little thing where if trainers around the world caught, like, some absurd number of Pokemon. Which uh, they did. Yeah, which easily, because everyone was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, duck with stick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, if a certain number of Pokemon were caught during that time period, they'd release Farfetch worldwide for 48 hours, and people online were super excited to have duck soup for Thanksgiving. 
<laughs> we may be skipping ahead to Mon Appetit a little bit ahead of time, but foreshadowing, perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Won't spoil it. But, um, but you know, I'm just going to... My thoughts on this, and we'll, there are more things to discuss about Duck with Sticks lore, especially <laughs> on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. You guys have heard me talk in past episodes about how simple this design is, how... And what I've restrained myself from saying is that there is a beautiful elegance in the simplicity of the design. (laughs) It's so creative. It's so unusual. Here is a duck with just such simple flourishes that has so much attitude just through, like, the eyebrow feathering and the fact that it's holding a stick that it can use as, like, a conductor's baton Mm -hmm. or as a weapon or as a food source, Mm -hmm. which, again, we'll discuss in the lore a little bit. And that's all the whimsy I need to know that this is a world with, like, animals that i do want to be friends with do want to capture and like it doesn't need to be able to shock me or shoot flames or anything like that it just needs to be really cute and inviting and just like just the right amount of whimsy call back to first episode what did i say i wanted as a kid (laughs) a duck with stick no i wanted a little (laughs) pigeon friend to land on my head (laughs) oh i want to grow up in new york i wanted this to be my little pigeon friend with a stick (laughs) so cute yeah yeah uh, just playing off of that, I love that like it can be uh, envisioned as like an angry attacker, or there's a like from the beginning Ken Sugimori artwork of Duck with Stick, uh, where it's standing there with its duck with its stick with its duck with its stick <laughs> over its shoulder, just standing there, kind of noble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's like you said, Baloo. Like the the design, it has so much character and like sass with its eyebrows. And it's like it's like it could be its own leading character. Like I could have seen Farfetch'd almost being like an alternate mascot for Pokemon, just because of like how much character huh. it has. Um, I don't think that was ever talked about. I want to say that one of the alternate mascots that they thought of was possibly Clefairy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is why the we mentioned this before. Why the Poke Doll is Clefairy. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but. That being said, yeah, Farfetch'd was... And I think the other reason of what made it special in the games, too, is that there was only one of them. Hmm. And so it had kind of this weird sort of, like, lonesome vibe to it of, like, it's just this duck with a stick and, like, how'd it get here? Hmm. And it felt almost, like, accidental and, like, its name was Farfetch'd. So it's just, like, this weird design, but it was just so endearing to me. Interesting thing about that is that we have another Pokemon with that similar kind of lore. We haven't gotten to it yet in the episode order, but Eevee, also another Pokemon right. that you only encounter one of in the original oh, Gen yeah. game. Right. Yeah. But Eevee's meteoric rise in popularity. Farfetch'd has this kind of cult status. Yeah. Where, like, obviously, you know, you mentioned with Pokemon Go, there's that fervor that comes out with, like, oh, we're going to unlock Farfetch. Yes. Um, But it's a very different flavor to the Eevee following that Eevee developed that now kind of puts it as, like, you know, a decent rival to Pikachu. Yeah. I think because, like, Eevee, we're going to address this later, obviously, but Eevee, there's an extra element where you have to make a choice with what you're going to do with Eevee Mm -hmm. uh, because you have multiple options you can do, and the options just increase with each generation. Uh, But with Farfetch'd, it's just this one singular little event Pokemon. You have to trade for it in the game, Mm -hmm. which I do love that they have a couple of these in-game trades where you will get an exclusive Pokemon, basically. Right. Well, the interesting thing about that is that whereas Eevee's exclusivity was a matter of just pure rarity because of its specialness... Or, I mean, where did you get Eevee in the game? It, there's what? a little boy who trades you for it somewhere in the game. Really? I okay, where. I thought it's it was a in, uh, Game Corner prize or something, but... I think it's but in Cerulean... Oh, no, not Cerulean. It's where the um, it's where the slot machine is. Oh, oh yeah. So the game um, corner. I think that's Saffron City. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's in Saffron City. But it's a trade. Wait, I no, think. Celadon. Because Celadon, know. that's yeah. it. It's where you fight Erica. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, Farfetch'd being singular in the world of Pokemon and being so rare also in Pokemon Go nowadays mm-hmm. is reflective of that lore that they built into the universe, which is very weirdly nuanced because Farfetch'd is noted in the Dexes as being an endangered Pokemon. Oh, interesting. Which we have legendaries that are singular because of how special they are, but this is the first time we've had like a sense of threatened ecosystem and like an endangered Pokemon. Wow. Um. So yeah, this is pretty much like the panda of the Pokemon universe. <laughs> okay. For the record, you receive Eevee from a person in Celadon Mansion. Okay. There we go. So yeah, and there's only one in right. Red and Blue. Well, I think the other interesting thing about Farfetch'd, which I think adds to kind of the lore and sort of its popularity, and we we talk we have this in the notes, which I want to talk about as well. <laughs> but the fact that in all of its time in Pokemon, it's never gotten either an evolution or a baby evolution. Or a Mega Evolution. Or a Mega Evolution. It's just been the same thing for seven generations now. And it's not even that good of a Pokemon. Mm -hmm. So you think that eventually someone would have been like, maybe we ought to give this little guy an evolution. And someone was like, no, no, it's far-fetched. It must remain singular for all time. Well, funny thing is that uh, when they uh, were coming up with the concept of gold and silver, sorry, I had to find it in my notes here. We've got so much we have to talk about about mm-hmm. this bird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the 1997 Gold and Silver Space World demo, uh, there were a bunch of Pokemon that got evolutions and pre-evolutions that did not wind up in the final games. Oh, okay. Uh, including, Farfetch got an evolution called Madamu, which translates loosely to Madam, uh, <laughs> which basically, if you look at the sprite, we'll include in the show notes, mm-hmm is a sassy swan that's carrying a longer baton. And it looks like it's kind of got a mask going on. It's a weird design. Like, I kind of like it, but also mm. it doesn't feel like the logical endpoint for Farfetch to me. And I think maybe they didn't, maybe they thought the same way. They thought, this doesn't seem right for our guy here. I'm going to debate that with a counterpoint that has to do with another folktale. But first, if I were to name an evolved form of Farfetch'd, I would call it Farflung. Mm. <laughs> I like, there that, we go, a lot. Just to, mm. I like that a lot. But I think the sassy swan is just to play on, you know, the classic fairy tale of the ugly duckling, yeah. cla- mm-hmm. pl- pretty swan. We mentioned episodes ago. I did some digging for this about how Farfetch'd may have been based on a uh, folkloric tale about a duck who shows up with its own seasoning to offer itself up to travelers to cook. And I did some research on this, and the one article I found on this was about how this folktale doesn't exist. Um, It is something that people created being told that far that pokemon have folkloric origins yeah but we apparently a thing only mentioned on pokemon sites there's no other reference to this there's no cultural reference to this at all so i'm so like i posed in the notes maybe this is an example of like the continuing internet favorite multiverse theory (laughs) which if you don't know mandela effect yeah, so I'm gonna close. So I'm gonna bring us home on the uh, Farfetch before we touch on a couple other things with it. But the big thing I right. wanted to discuss was the Berenstein Bears split universe theory. <laughs> Seth, are you familiar with this one? I I'm familiar with the Berenstein Bears, but not with the split Berenstein Bears. Okay, world I'm theory. not gonna I'm not gonna do a spelling bee here, but there are, there's a theory that, and this is because 
picture the Berenstein Bears uh, title, and how is the Steen part spelled? Oh, you know what? I think I have heard of this. There yeah, you go. Killer Mike talks about it yes. more often than you think. There's like yeah. the there's like the there's a there's a movie that's in a similar vein to that where some people think that there was this movie that existed, and it doesn't. But everyone has a memory of it. Do you remember what the movie is? I don't remember what it's called, <laughs> but. I too had I too thought that I saw it, but I realized that I was confusing it with either Shaq Fu or yeah. some other movie. One second. So there's also so it's a Sinbad thing. Okay. Yeah. But yes. to explain this for the listeners, there is a yes. theory that I'm sure hearing me talk about the Berenstein Bears, you're thinking Steen there's some people who are convinced, like myself, that Steen was spelled like Steen. S T E I N. The bears were Jewish, clearly. but the bears. But however, the Berenstein Bears are actually the Berenstain Bears. It's spelled with an A, not an E, at the end, mm-hmm. because that was the name of the writers. They were the Berenstains somehow. While well, the writers in my universe were the Berensteins. <laughs> so I came to this universe to host this podcast with Michael Darling. I am a diplomat. You're witnessing the multi-dimensional peace accords over the course of this podcast saga. Very interesting. I like that you revealed this in episode. What is this? Eleven. Yeah, well, well, this is, you know, you have to have a lot of formality and opening pomp and circumstance. We've still got another 200 episodes of these to go, so we have plenty of time. Um, (laughs) We don't need to rush this. Gosh, you stain universe people are just so <laughs> so hot entitled. And, hot and hot. <laughs> What's stupid is that I'm going to forget about this gag, and then, like, a year from now, you're going to be talking about, like, we'll be talking about some Generation 3 Pokemon, and you'll be like, yeah, I really love its third evolution. I go, what? <laughs> We're gonna come back to this, yeah. But um, but yeah. So the Sinbad movie, there is there are people, and I'm I'm with you on this. That I could swear there was a movie where Sinbad played a genie of some mm-hmm. kind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does not actually exist. The movie was allegedly called Shazam, not to be confused with the DC comic superhero movie. Right. But again, I think that I was. I think that I realized that I was mixing that up with a movie where Shaquille O'Neal played a genie, mm. Kazam, which is Kazam, which is very similar. But. But it's not Shazam. Yeah. But Shaquille O'Neal and Sinbad do not look enough alike to that be <laughs> exactly. for that at all to be an explanation. But exactly. What's hilarious is a couple years ago, I'm blanking on which website, maybe College Humor, maybe Funny or Die, one of those. They made a video for April Fool's Day, which was a a scene from Shazam. We found it, and so <laughs> it they got Sinbad. He's playing a genie with these kids. There are oh all these God. other references to like the Berenstein, Berenstain. Uh, I think there's probably a Mandela effect reference because the Mandela effect is so named because some people believe are convinced that they remember hearing about when Nelson Mandela died in prison, which if you're from this universe, this earth, you know, he lived to be, to uh, be released from prison, was elected president of South Africa and then right. lived to a ripe old age. Uh, but yeah, so they made this video with uh, with Sinbad doing a scene, quote unquote, from Shazam, and it's full of all these little Easter eggs about other such alternate universe theories. See, I think it would have been perfect if it had just clearly been a completely out of context scene with like nothing fantastic about it, and like it even had that grainy semi Technicolor look. Oh, it does mm-hmm. have that grainy semi. <laughs> oh, like it's fantastic. They make it look like it was. They found this VHS, and there was just this one scene. Uh, that had been like taped over many times with other things in between. It's, it's a amazing. good video. It's amazing. I'm down with it. All right, if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes as well mm. for the uh, c- continuing our tradition of show notes having like five or six links. This will be the longest show notes. It's definitely given. It's already giving them a choke me daddy episode a run for its money, <laughs> which I just wanted the excuse to say that show that episode title out loud. 
But closing out, and this is an unfortunate one that I have to admit, because I've had a running theory on the show about shinies reflecting, how different the shiny is reflecting, how loved, how beloved the Pokemon is. And unfortunately, Farfetch'd shiny is not that different from its regular form. It's like a pink shade, like, <laughs> sidestep from its regular brown. Oh, okay. Um, I, I admit that I've never actually seen the shiny. Like, I've never seen a sprite of it. Hmm. And... It, when the notes listed as pink, I was assuming, like, hot pink, which I was like, that would be pretty awesome if there's just, like, a hot pink Farfetch'd running around. Hmm. Yeah, but... I wish. Hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was hope I wish it, that were the case, but it's very much like a just, if you're sliding the gradient wheel over, like, uh, as okay. soon as it looks definitively pink versus huh. the brown. That Interesting. Is. Um, oh, we mentioned this, like, we were talking about uh, the idea that there is this folk tale of a duck that shows up with its own stick and while that folktale isn't true it doesn't exist uh the actual origin for farfetch is a japanese phrase which is a duck comes bearing green onion which means something surprising but convenient or putting it in arrested development terms well that was a freebie <laughs> so it's kind of like the equivalent to that idiom of don't look a gift horse in the mouth like that's what you're saying it's on uh no no because it's kind of the opposite because that's like a hey you got this for free don't oh, okay bother exploring it whereas this is like hey you know that thing that you were trying to take care of right in front of you already boom so again well that was a freebie yeah huh. uh there's a great moment with farfetch in gold silver and crystal as well as remakes uh where the azalea town charcoal makers are using a farfetch to cut wood but it runs off into the adlex forest and you have to track it down and then once you bring it back you'll receive the hm for cut so oh, I love nice. that Farfetch got this nice little NPC mission. That is a really cool thing, and I mean it fits. I, I like that it's reflective of like the HM you're getting, because like, hey, here's this Pokemon that's used for this thing, and when you find it, it's gonna show you its move. Yeah. That it's clearly using in its industry. Show me your moves. Keep. Show me your moves. <laughs> you're only as useful as the skills you have, says the Ayn Rand Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Machamp shrugged. <laughs> We're going to keep making that joke until the final episode of this podcast, folks. <laughs> Which I will mean, never I, happen because this <laughs> series will go on forever. I mean, I'd read that book for sure. <laughs> Seth, any closing thoughts on Farfetch? Um, now that hasn't already been said, I kind of thought that the Farfetch that you get in Pokemon Red and Blue already had cut learned, but that, uh-huh. I could be wrong about that. Or maybe that was, you know what, it might have been in Pokemon Stadium where all the all the registered Farfetch'd all had Oh, uh, okay. That might have been it. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Or you know what it was? I think maybe it was that it could learn Cut but not Slash, and everyone thought that was weird. That is weird, because that seems like it yeah. got a stick. It should be able I'll to look Slash. That yeah. up, I'll look that up later to confirm it, but I remember there being like a Slash-type move that it couldn't learn, huh. and it being kind of strange. Yeah. It's very silly. Yeah, it uh, is. There are a lot of silly inconsistencies, yeah. especially in Gen 1. Blue, any other thoughts on Duck with Stick? Nope. I want to move on to a bird Pokemon that I actually hate. Well, we were, hey. talking, well, we were talking about moves that Pokemon could learn, and <clears> I looked <throat> it up, and yes, Magneton can learn Tri-Attack, nice. as can Doduo and Dodrio. Wow. wow. That wow. is what you call a segue, buddy. That's awesome. So, Doduo is a normal-slash-flying type, which I have thoughts. Uh, that you first encounter on Route 17, which is the Cycling Road. Well, go ahead and lead off with those thoughts on it being a normal flying type. Okay, well, it's four feet tall. It looks like a kiwi. It has tiny, tiny wings. This is not a Pokemon that could actually fly, quote-unquote, in real life. However, it does learn the move fly, even though 
all of the Pokedex entries reference how, yeah, it can't really fly. And why are this week's Mons making my head hurt? Well, probably because this one has two heads, and that's probably the laziest design we could hope for. Oh, I can think of one lazier. We'll get there in a minute. First off, I want to hit on the fact that this is named after, clearly a name inspired by a Dodo, which I think you said in Japan it's just straight up named a Dodo, or is that a beta name, darling? Um, yes, Japanese name is literally Dodo. So yeah, so the Dodo is, for the listeners who aren't uh, initiated, it's a uh, now extinct bird that sailors supposedly killed because of its docile nature into extinction. And, you know, it's interesting that that's the name that this one draws its inspiration from when we just talked about a bird in the lore of Pokemon that is itself endangered um, because it serves itself up with its own seasoning. Hmm. Um, But this bird looks like a kiwi in terms of shape and form, but is closer in size to an emu, um, which it's four feet tall. It has two heads. Um, in the Pokedex, it's noted that this thing is weigh, weighs 85 pounds, and of all the numbers that I'm going to nitpick today, I'm just going to point this out. Turkeys, wild turkeys, are about the same height. They get to about 40 inches, so a little bit shorter, but they only weigh about one-third of what this bird weighs. Um, so just to give you an idea of just how the Pokemon people are just throwing numbers at the wall <laughs> and just figuring this stuff out. But yeah, so get, let's get to another existentially terrifying Pokemon with the two heads, darling. What do you make of those two brains? You know, there's a great Steve Martin movie, The Thing with Two Brains. Uh, but yeah, it's not about this. Uh, so multiple Pokedex entries say that both heads have an identical brain. And it gets weird, though, about what those brains do. Because like in Ruby, it says that the two heads never sleep at the same time. And Diamond and Pearl say that the heads are connected telepathically. And yeah, like, I'm so confused. It's like, remember those Siamese twins that were, sorry, uh, conjoined twins <laughs> uh, that were all over the tabloids and also the Today Show back in the mid-2000s? Because they had one body uh, but two heads, and one of them, like, the left head, the left person, it's hard to, I apologize right now to any conjoined listeners we have. But yeah, like, the left sister controlled everything on the left side of the body. The right sister controlled everything on the right side of the body. Interesting. And so they drove together, basically. They took two driver's tests for each of them, even though, like, only one of them is actually hitting all of the pedals. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, like, Doduo is a weird design for Pokemon, but there is some like some scientific basis for it because even the sisters like they have independent thought but they would complete each other's sentences which is also a thing that regular twins do Mm -hmm. so okay i don't really have any other thoughts on this one except it's uh it's a surprisingly slow pokemon this thing can only run at 60 miles an hour only 60 miles an hour so it's only as fast as a cheetah the fastest land mammal that we have in our world which still puts it at third place in our speed <laughs> rankings behind Arcanine and Rapidash. How fast could Arcanine run? Oh, stupidly. The Damn. Pokedex claims that it can run like 260 miles an hour Whoa. and it sustained 24 hours to cover 6,200 miles or something ridiculous wow. like that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's some bullshit. That's pretty legit. <laughs> yeah, it's not just the overall speed of the Arcanine, the fact that it's going over 200 miles an hour, but it's sustaining that speed for a continuous 24 hours. Right. <laughs> The only other thing I have to say about it is that I mentioned it barely has wings, but it can learn fly as well as steel wing. It's got little tiny kiwi feathers. 
It doesn't have wings. Where are the wings on this bird? Show me the wings. <laughs> so again, when I when I was when I remember my time playing Pokemon Stadium, I remember that with this one and its evolution, uh, the animation for it flying would just be it running really fast and then it slowly <laughs> floating into the air. Sort so, of like how Superman initially could only jump really high, not fly. Exactly. Oh man, we could talk about that whole uh, Superman flying theory thing for a whole other tangent, <laughs> oh. but I'm not even going to bring it up because it gets kind of weird. I am just for a quick moment in that there's a wonderful document online, which is like a unified theory of Superman's powers, and it goes through all of this actual <laughs> legitimate physics explaining like, well, here's why he's able to fly, here's why he's able to produce lasers from his eyes, and so then wow. we get to the end where it's just like, blah 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 here's the explanation i've shown this and then finally at the end just shut up <laughs> are we dealing with um with the superman theory is one of them that he it's similar to uh thor's hammer where it isn't actually superman that's moving it's the rest of the universe that's yes. moving around superman <laughs> quantum theory that's why he's so fast and can exceed the speed of light well in one and well in another theory is that it's actually it has to do with some sort of gravitational thing where like his flight is based on him like using airwaves to like push off of huh. the ground mm. but he can actually do it at like whatever depth he wants. So like if he's in space he's just like using whatever the closest like major planet body is and just pushes off of that to fly. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. So it's a little bit of like a Mario Galaxy floating through situation, like you know the the parts of Mario Galaxy. I'm getting super in the weeds here on this, but where you would use the little like gravitational stars to yes, pull yes. Mario through. It's similar to that. There we go. Apparently, we never get into the weeds here. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Super Mario, but I think we've yeah. mentioned him before. Record, He's a scab. Yeah. Yeah. For the record, the uh, the point where superman's powers were sort of retconned in that way was in the rebirth of superman after he died initially mm. um i don't know if you guys are up on your superman oh i remember or... the rebirth of superman yeah. most assuredly i and think all it... of our listeners remember 25 year old superman stories but okay yeah go on uh but there was that moment where there were the four supermen that kind of like emerged at all claiming to be the real superman and then the oh, I don't yeah. know if they all were. It was that they were all well, trying to assume the mantle of yes. responsibility. I think one of yes. them was Three... literally Man of Steel, who was like yeah, a mechanic Steel. who made yeah. Steel. <laughs> John right. Henry Irons. Yeah. Uh, That's right. said, yeah, I'm not Superman. I'm just doing his job. That's right. Whereas the other three were like, no, we're... I am Superman. Cyborg Superman was definitely like, I'm actually Superman. Yeah. I yeah. think the Eradicator also claimed that, and Superboy thought he was because he was a clone. Yes. Yeah, but um, John Henry Irons was my favorite because he was just a dude with a metal <laughs> shop. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Hey, is this adamantium? It. Is it unbreakable steel? No, it's just steel. Well, I love that. I, I love made steel it my because it's what if a Superman fan was also Iron Man and had <laughs> Thor's hammer or just had a hammer? He was not rich. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what makes it even better. He's just a guy who knows alchemy. Well, not so alchemy, funny. but metallurgy? Metallurgy, yeah. It's yeah. like even Bruce Wayne could whip up something better than yeah. that cave. The, the crazy thing from that whole series, which I only realized later from, from rereading it, is that that whole thing caused Hal Jordan to go evil and become Parallax. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because they blew up uh, Coast, Coast City. City. Oh, yeah. Which then caused him to go AWOL and murder, like, half of the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. Have you seen that video online? And this this is one of those weird videos that has so many, like, weird cameos. It's kind of like how drunk history has so many weird mm -hmm. celebrity cameos, but this is 
way before that. It's this long two-part video about how terrible the death of Superman was oh. for comic books. Huh. I haven't seen um, that. But it goes into the fact that like until then, they'd never had a major character die off. And the fact that they did it with Superman, the absolute well, I mean, you the know, Flash and Supergirl died in crisis a few years prior. But, but they came back. They had new flashes in Supergirl. Yeah. They had new yeah. flashes. Yeah. They had new yeah. people assume the mantle, but they didn't bring the original flash back until after Superman. So what Superman did was he just kind of like basically said, nope, there, death doesn't mean anything in comic books, hmm. which until then was like an unheard of concept. So that's why you never had heroes die, period. Right. But then after that, that's why you had now have running jokes about like Marvel supposedly having a banner up that says, Jean Grey stays dead. <laughs> like, I think Jean's back currently, though. Yeah, Yeah, she is currently yeah. back. But yeah, because they... Well, I mean, it's movie marketing. They have to tie yeah. the comic books in. Well, but they haven't really been trying to market the Fox properties until now. Right. Yeah. Now that the merger has happened and we're living in a post-Disney age. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the last major tangent on this before we go into another one. You but can I, tell that we really don't want to talk about Doduo. I know. Doduo or Doduo. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, my, my favorite... One of my favorite moments of DC is in Final Crisis... When it's revealed oh, yeah. that Barry Allen isn't actually dead, but has been outrunning the Black Racer this whole time. Yes. And that they eventually, well, spoilers if you haven't read a 15-year-old comic, but they use the Black Racer to make it run into... Um, oh, Darkseid at the end. They yeah. make it run into Darkseid to finally defeat God, him, yeah, which is good. amazing and kind of hilarious. Yeah. Also from that same series, like at Martian Manhunter's funeral... Yes. Superman says, well, we pray for, uh, like, resurrection or something, which, in that universe, yeah, that's an option. Wait, hang on. <laughs> since we're since I have to bring it to Batman, because that's my role on Thank this Thank you. Podcast, for sure. For sure. Um, it doesn't Darkseid also die because Bruce Wayne fires, like, the cosmic time-traveling bullet that <laughs> yes. eventually kicks the entire investigation off at the start of the series? Yes. yes. What a brilliant twist that was. Yes. But Grant then Morrison Dark knows what he's doing. Yeah. But, but then Darkseid also hits Batman with his eye lasers but then causes batman to not actually die but just go backwards in time and he has to fight his way back to the oh yeah that god that's fun a fun thing. series return yeah. of bruce wayne is fun yeah, i just this is why i bring up batman every episode yeah <laughs> i just love grant morrison and how like completely nuts his stories get i mean you talk great. about somebody who really just has a great beat on batman for and sure just, like, takes batman to a mythic inhuman status he does oh, oh he does like in his first Justice League arc, uh, Morrison does that with Batman, where Batman takes down, like, two or three of the alien villains, and Superman says, like, only two? You're growing <laughs> soft, right. aren't you? So if Batman were to look at Doe Duo, he would say, only two heads? <laughs> How about three? How about three? <laughs> so that sets us up for Doe Drio. Oh, okay, Do I give you credit. That was a good one. Thank you. Thank you. I like how one of the comments, I just want to say this before we talk about it as a, as a kickoff to this. <laughs> Note E just says, fuck this guy. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, that's that sets the stage. Oh, God. <laughs> This oh, fucking Pokemon. Oh, Dodrio. Yeah, so Michael and I have talked about it leading up to this episode, which was that... So we originally, because of the, like planning out how to group Pokemon together for an episode... Right. We wanted to include, I think, maybe three or four more Pokemon in this episode at like first blush. And then I realized, no, you know what actually makes for longer episodes is when we're angry at the Pokemon and it's hate true. them. It's true. Dodrio <laughs> is one of those Pokemon. And the good news is it, it hates us back. Yeah, it just looks angry. It's not only just that they just did the lazy thing of tacking another head on. Well, 
two of the heads look really angry. Two of the heads look pissed off. The other one just looks ashamed to be there. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm even disappointed. I mentioned this in the notes. I'm disappointed that, like, okay, so two of the heads look angry. One of them looks kind of like... Lackadaisical. Yeah, kind of lackadaisical. Like, mm, I don't want to be here, <laughs> fucking thing. And uh, they couldn't even go for, like, a semi-clever see-no-evil, hear-no-evil, speak-no-evil thing. Mm. Right. Like, where one of them's, like, constantly squawking. The other one's eyes are, like, bugged open, or I don't know. But... Yeah, they didn't do anything with this. Oh, That's and true. and going back to my numbers thing about birds and how heavy they are, um, this bird is six feet tall, 190 pounds. Damn. This is actually slightly more within the realm of reason because it has three heads, and ostriches with their one head are already 250 pounds wow. at the hmm. same height. So, weirdly enough, this one actually brings us back within a more restrained, reasonable realm. Interesting. But then they also just said, hey, let's take the Roadrunner and make him look pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting is that in the Pokedex entry for Omega Ruby, it says about the three heads. Uh, the three heads respectively represent joy, sadness, and anger. Which, huh. let me tell you, I can tell which one's the sadness. The joy and anger look awfully similar. I think to put it, to translate it to more internet-friendly terms, <clears throat> it's more... Horny, hungry, horny, and <laughs> angry, horny. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably pretty safe to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just love the fact that that there is. There's also another Pokedex entry which. I forget. Oh, man, I forget which one. But it was literally like, if all three of the heads are looking in different directions, watch out, because that's when it's at its most dangerous. I was like, why? Oh, why is that when it's at its most dangerous? <laughs> well, playing off of that, there are Pokedex entries where it says, like, it uses three brains to collect data and execute complex plans. <laughs> and I read them like, what plans? It's a bird. Complex it's bird a fucking plans. bird. Dude, I'm thinking of, I don't know why this came to mind, but that episode of The Office where they're talking about inheriting chairs and Creed is last in the line on the yes, chair inheritance. Yes. And he's like, soon, once she gives me her chair, then I'll have two chairs. And I only need two more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Other than the fact that it's got another head, there's nothing interesting about this Pokemon compared to Doduo. It's got one more head, and it's angry. Okay, I want to point out that we have talked about this Pokemon for less than five minutes, and we've already hit all the notes we have on our crib sheet. Yeah, <laughs> Except I mean, for one last thing that Seth wanted to point out, which... Yeah, I mean, just the fact that also in other, Poke in other Pokedex entries, apparently the heads will sometimes bicker with each other. Uh, which I found particularly hilarious, especially if they're like, let's do this bird plan. What about this bird plan? <laughs> and they get pissed at each other. Ah! Um, I know that in a lot of like the, in like the animated series, like you see the heads bickering with each other a lot, um, which I just think is just a hilarious concept. Again, in the Pokedex entry, it says that one of them is always awake at all times. Um, and it also says that if one head is pissed off, it's because it's hungry. So if you feed it, it will actually make the rest of the heads okay as well. But so here's another Pokemon that's a, that can somehow learn fly. Yeah. Yes. I mean, well, if Doduo can learn it, like, this right. one has to be able to, too. Again, in Pokemon Stadium, its animation for flying is just running really fast. <laughs> so I like to think that somehow it uses its feet as, like, actual, like, mm. friction in the air and, like, causes it to, like, push off fast enough that it can fly. Yeah. I'm thinking of, like, what was that Hanna-Barbera thing? The Captain Caveman who would just, like, throw... It was kind of like a take on Thor, but I'm just picturing uh -huh. that kind of flight. <laughs> 
We're just like flat. Like, we're just running fast enough upward. I was yes. thinking more of the Hanna Barbera thing, where like this was in every Hanna Barbera cartoon, where like the character would just start moving their legs until it became a like whirl. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it yeah. has to run up something really steep first, and then it just jumps really far, and that's how it flies. It's not flying. It's falling with style. Exactly. Uh, yeah. This is another one that if it came in the later generation, people would be saying, this is so lazy. This is, like, they've lost it. For sure. Whereas because it's in the first 151, it's iconic. I think it actually set up the second generation to be that much more welcomed in terms of its designs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But we'll get there in a year or so. Um, December. Cool. Oh, yeah. Around the, around the holidays. We do have the rest of the year mapped out, folks. Nice. We'll be getting to generation two before the holidays. Yeah, y'all are getting gold, silver, and crystal for Christmas. I just want to say, this Pokemon looks like a dick, and it makes sense that Gary had one. <laughs> Closing I'm glad statement. You, inter- you interrupted me for that. <laughs> Thank you. No Ash being a dumbass today, folks. Gary being a dick. <laughs> Smell you later. <laughs> always, always applicable to any conversation. Let's talk about the things we would change about these Pokemon if we could, because we are full of hatred today. We are full of anger and criticism. Uh. So how could we do better? This is Mon Mon's. Okay, Michael, if you'd like to lead us off, since you're currently the most infuriated. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you tear open your shirt, your shirt before, but it was enlightening to know that you possess the arm strength to do so. I saw it one time in college, but, you know. <laughs> I've honestly been waiting my whole life for the right moment to be angry enough to just tear my <laughs> shirt and beat my chest in fury but i haven't yet found that right moment i think you need the right kind of shirt too where you're like okay i don't like this shirt enough and i'm angry enough that i can do this yeah exactly i like this shirt like i don't want to kill this shirt it's a good shirt um but what would you it's a plain brown shirt for those of you who don't have the spy camera in the recording studio uh he could probably rip it if he started with the holes cut out for his nipples to breathe (laughs) yes But please, true. I keep interrupting your mom. Nipple shirts for men. <laughs> nipple shirts for men. Uh, mon men is brought to you by nipple shirts for men. Uh, yeah, so I don't really have anything I want to change about these mons because, like, there's not much you can do with them. Because Farfetch is perfect. He's a wonderful little duck with stick. Um, the other two just are. Well, the other four just are. Uh, but going back to that Space World demo I mentioned before, Doduo had a baby form called Hinasu, uh, from the Japanese Hina, meaning chick. Uh, that was, get this, three heads coming out of a nest. So what the hell? Let's bring that back. Even though it's completely confusing that you would go baby with three heads, evolved form with two heads, evolved form with three heads. I'm glad that, I mean, I'm saying let's bring that back, but I'm also glad they didn't have that in there just because it makes this mon even more confusing. I mean, you were talking math in this episode. <laughs> math is all whack, dude. Uh, well, for me, I just... Um, talking about Doduo and Dodrio, I think it would be really hilarious if there was a pre-evolution of Doduo that was just one head called Douno, because that would just be the best. There's re- literally no reason for it, though, because Doduo's stats are already so bad, and Dodrio is like not really a usable Pokemon in a lot of like competitive play, but I do think it'd be hilarious if there was just like a normal single-necked Doduo. Well, what if we flipped it so that Do Uno is the final evolution? So you get a viable third stage evolution that is a single head oh with God. three beaks oh and six eyes. <laughs> Fuck you. 
<laughs> yes, dude. Do Holy not put that shit. evil on me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be like the best like Eldritch Horror of Pokemon. Yes. Oh god. Oh my god. Wait, oh. yeah, and it would have six eyes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and still no wings. It's still no wings. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, at that point, it would be like a... I'm imagining because it's tail feathers, you know, like they, they get there at Dodrio. So what if it just became like a peacock with like three feathers and six eyes and just like this massive tail? Would the eyes be on the feathers? Oh, that's a good point. Maybe it wouldn't have any eyes on its face. Oh, man. And all the eyes would be on its feathers. I think it could like sheath its tail and then when it, maybe it's like a dual psychic type also. Yeah. So like when it opens out its tail, it can use psychic moves on you. That's Boom. terrifying and I'm all about it. I want to point out, there hasn't been a proper Peacock Pokemon yet, so... There you go. Game Freak, Gen 8, it's time. Go. I feel like that's got to be... Uh, let's make a prediction right here. I'm going to make the prediction. It's going to be in Sword and Shield if it really yeah. is England-inspired, because I feel like Peacocks are associated with, like, English flora and fauna, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, my mod is very simple, which, as Darling said in his mod section, uh, Farfetch'd is already perfect. So what I want is not for Farfetch'd himself to be changed. I just want more Farfetch'd. And I joked about this a while ago, episodes and episodes ago. I want a an Alolan variant of Farfetch'd who sets his little stalk aflame and is a dual flying fire type. Mm, that'd be awesome. And that's it. That's all I want. Give him like a little bit of like red-orange plumage. There's my boy. That's all I want. So outside of Moltres, has there been a proper fire flying type? Well, I mean, Ho-Oh also. That's and, true. Uh, well, Charizard. Okay. Oh, uh, oh god, I'm laying on the name now, but one of, like, your Pidgey equivalent in uh, X and Y eventually becomes Fire Flying. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it's not an unexplored dual type. Yeah. Like, there are examples out yeah. there, and those are pretty viable Pokemon, think, too. Right. The interesting thing about all of the Alolan forms, I'll need to double-check this, but most, if not all, of these type combinations never existed before huh. mm. with the Alolans. Right, because, and actually, I was going to bring up, uh, if your Alolan Farfetch'd were to exist, I feel like it and Alolan Marowak could hang out and be buddies. Oh, yeah. Uh, who is a ghost fire type, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that type existed already, but yeah, um, like it's a great combo. But that would still be fun to see both of them, you know, commiserate over their shared love of sticks on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so Fire sticks, py the pyro dudes just hanging out. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, we've talked about how we would change the Pokemon as they exist in their universe. Now let's talk about them in our universe. Welcome to Mons. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is Alright, so I'll start off. Um, Magnemite, as I've already noted, is a baffling existential terror. <laughs> um, so it would just wreck our concept's definition of life versus automation versus artificial creation. Basically, religion would cease to exist as we know it, which, you know, I hate to say, probably would lead to world peace sooner rather than later. <laughs> um... But yeah, it would also probably lead to other problems in society that we'll deal with at a less at another time on a different podcast. Right. Hmm. Um, that's my take on it. Um, Magnemite would just be yeah, they'd be flocking cities and be general pests. I can't really. I don't know if you use them as like safeties for heavy duty industrial electrical work to keep workers from getting shocked. Like they soak up the electricity while you're trying to work on wires and power lines. Um. You know, and I think the birds, I think the birds are just what they are. I think they're just out there in the wild. Yep. Um, Mr. Darling? Well, we mentioned in the game, uh, Farfetch'd makes charcoal, or helps make charcoal. 
Uh, so I feel that would be a thing in our world. Yeah, if Magnemite sucks up electricity, clearly we've already addressed the fact that it would be a pest that you'd have to fight off at the circuit breaker. Uh, but maybe we could reverse that and use it to recharge cell phone batteries. Kind of like a little portable Magnemite cell phone recharger for yeah. when you're on the road for too long. That'd be pretty legit. You just bring it out of your Pokeball and boom, you just charge your phone. Take like two seconds, probably. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's safer than asking Pikachu to try to recharge your cell phone. Yeah, <laughs> Pikachu's a little sassier. But Seth, what do you see them doing here? I got three words for you guys. Competitive Dodrio racing. I'm a fan of that. I'd watch that. Here's the thing, because in the, in the show proper, you have competitive Rhyhorn racing, but that makes so much less sense to me. Oh. Yeah, uh, in X and Y, mm -hmm. your character's mother is a former Rhyhorn rider. Exactly. Now, to me, that doesn't really make a lot of sense because Rhyhorns are sort of similar to rhinos in the real world. Uh, but I don't really see anybody getting on a rhino and trying to ride it. You know, it's it's a cool concept, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense in application. Whereas in the Final Fantasy series, you have chocobo racers, mm -hmm. which are very similar to you know the equivalent of ostriches or a large bird. So why not have Dodrio racing? You could you know have fun tracks for them. They go at like. 180 miles an hour oh, yeah. or something crazy. I like do it, some flying and 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 like sections of it, just like chocobo racing in Final Fantasy yeah, VII. Exactly, they had crazy courses. It'd be fun, exciting. You could like license cool like Dodrio racing merch. You could get like Dodrio jockeys up in there. Mm -hmm. It'd be a whole a whole line of competitive sports. I just want to point out that we have documented evidence that in Wakanda they ride on rhinos. Oh, you're right. Okay, well, then I retract that statement. <laughs> well, interesting callback to our pa our previous episode guest, Abby Denton, who pointed out that Ponyta and Rapidash racing in California, especially at the, at the Santa Anita Raceway because of the danger of forest fires, they would be dangerous to race in our world. Exactly. <laughs> so we may have found the solution of what's actually being run out at the Santa Anita on a uh, fabulous Memorial Day weekend. I'm telling you, because the two other fastest... Well, season's over by then, but... Yeah, right. well, whatever it is. Because the two other fastest Pokemon are fire types. So you got to have a Pokemon that's not going to take out the environment. Mm -hmm. uh, the only issue I could see with Dodrio Racing would be that the heads might not cooperate if you aren't well trained but that could be part of the allure is like you know how do you get all the heads in line with each other how do you get them cooperating for competition and it maybe there's a mental thing where you want each head to take a different part of the race and like oh, know to yield clever. the other two I with like their it. complicated bird planning as we've established <laughs> earlier in this episode unless you're flying the Kaluthalu horror that is Do Uno <laughs> in which case that's like the welterweight oh <laughs> In which case, may God, God help you. <laughs> that would be oh. amazing and utterly terrifying. I wonder if, if Do Uno would actually run fast or if it would just kind of be like plump and just sit there and it's like horrifying brilliance. I feel like it's another one of those Pokemon that can move beyond the veil, as Michael once pointed out to Kevin on a previous episode, <laughs> that it can move so fast that you can't see it. It's like move. interdimensional, like, warping. <laughs> it's That'd doing be... the Dragon Ball Z-like thing where they just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, like, where the Flash runs and gets something from across the, you know, from goes to get Chinese from China and is back within seconds. Yes. Oh, yeah. Similar to that, there's a uh, Batman and Superman, Adventures of Batman and Superman comic recently where, you know, Batman and Superman very clearly hate each other through most of this most recent series. But because they're all on a cruise together, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, and Lois Lane, Lois points out at the end of the comic like, I haven't seen you two at all while Batman and Superman are around. <laughs> oh, no, it's like, 
as she points it out to Superman and Batman that I haven't seen you two around while Bruce and Clark are around and they've been gone this entire time. Right. And Superman uses his super speed to make them both appear right behind her so quickly that she can't possibly reason it out. <laughs> but Bruce Wayne, because of the speed with which he was yanked off, changed out of his clothing at like Mach 5 and then like <laughs> moved behind Lois Lane has motion sickness oh, and is puking man. in front of Lois. <laughs> That's hilarious. Who he's been flirting with the entire issue. Oh, uh, nicely love, done, Clark. Nicely I love done. That. I love that. Which is just like the most Clark Kent way to settle that rivalry. Yeah. Mm. It's like, I had to do this. Not my fault you couldn't keep your stomach. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to be throwing up in the corner now. So. Yeah, so let's not talk about throwing up because we're about to talk about cuisine now. Heck yeah. All right, darling, this is my favorite section, if you could. The section called Mon... Apathy. You like my personal like my desk. Mm-hmm. I will lead us off. I did mention that I speculate that there may be some tasty, meaty matter inside of a Magnemite or a Magneton, <laughs> but I'm not willing to roll the dice on that. That's fair. <laughs> I feel like you cook. need a bone saw or something to get into that for one. Yeah, thing. exactly. I mean, the, just the preparation. I don't know if it's worth it. Like, And what kind of quality of meat are you getting inside that Magnemite Like after it's been encased in metal for, I don't know, Ugh. thousands of years? Like mm-hmm. a steel oyster. So I am actually going to go with a Jamaican jerk style doduo. Um, serve it with a nice macaroni salad. Mm. And I would want to prepare this for you all and show you all how to prepare some Caribbean cuisine on a cooking show that I ho- co-host with my little seasoning buddy, Farfetched. It's perfect. Well, I love it. I have bad news for you. Uh-oh. I know Farfetched is your co-host, but I am making duck with stick a l'orange and using <laughs> that leek to season it. Savage. The tables have turned. Damn. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, co-host, come over here. I got something to show you. Uh, certain seasonings. I mean, if it... If <laughs> It'll be like that scene in Titus Andronicus when Titus serves uh, oh, yes. the queen of the Goths' sons to her in a nice dish. Like, I'd do that with you uh, because we're rival cooking show hosts, apparently, in this whole AU I just invented. I mean... Have you ever seen Julie Taymor's Titus, by the way? No, I haven't. Oh, it rules. It's like, she takes the script as it is, but also, imagine everything that Boz Lerman did with Romeo and Juliet, but also ten times as avant well, not avant-garde, but just over-the-top art-directed. Alan Cumming is in there, uh, Anthony Hopkins is playing Titus, and he's literally delivering this monologue about, I cooked your sons, and now you're eating them while he's wearing a chef's hat and whites and everything. And it's just glorious. That's amazing. That's what I want. And then I want for him to take off his little toque. And yeah. for there to be a rat steering him underneath <laughs> his hat. Yep. Yep. Don't yep. know why I felt the need to take it to Ratatouille. but That's, that's what I want, too. I mean, listen, he was Hannibal Lecter already, so it kind of mm-hmm. makes sense. Shaking Bakespeare. All right, exactly. Well, for my Mon Appetit... Uh, my gut reaction is because I love Farfetch'd too much to want to cook him. Although he would probably be the best quality of meat amongst any of the Pokemon that we are talking about today. Yep. The thing is, is that I actually have a, a bizarrely specific knowledge of what emu tastes like. Uh, because I had relatives in Oregon, this is no joke, who had an emu farm. Because someone convinced them that emus would be a good animal to raise as a pack animal and also for their meat. Uh, which proved to be incorrect on both counts, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so they ended up with a whole pile of emus and a whole pile of emu meat that I was forced to eat as a child. So I can tell you that emu meat is very gamey, 
kind of stringy and weird. You can make it into burgers or sausage. Sausage is better because it's not as, you know, as raw. So what I would recommend is that the thing that emus do have that are great are, are their eggs because their Ooh. eggs are huge. I didn't think about pre-birds. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I would take Doduo eggs and make kind of an oyakudon with them, which if you guys aren't familiar with the dish, it's referred to as the mother and child dish, which is when you take the actual meat of the bird and the egg of the bird and you make it into a rice dish with itself. And it's delicious because the egg makes it kind of creamy and nice, so it would make the meat less gamey. Uh, they could throw some green onions on there, maybe from Farfetch'd if it was willing to share. You kind of call it a day. Nice. No joke, that's where Paul Simon's mother and child reunion comes from. It's from that dish. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, for any local to us listeners in the L.A. area that might be interested in the uh, Japanese cuisine that Seth just referenced, there is a place in the uh, Japanese village in Little Tokyo in downtown Los Angeles that sells it. I think it's relatively new, but it specializes in it. I've gone. I was actually going to say I've been there, and it's delicious, and you should check it out. What's it called? Uh, I don't remember the name because I wasn't looking at the sign at the time because I was too excited that there was a place that specialized in it. (laughs) I've gone there with with a friend of ours, friend of the pod, Abby Elgar. Garcia, who, uh, shout out to you, buddy, who he and I just crushed like three of those in one night. Like, I think we both sat down for one a piece and then we ended up sharing another one. It was that good. When it's done right, it's the mm. best. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure uh, Doduo Uyakudon would be just the best. So that's hmm. what I would say. There we go. Well, that brings mm. us home. So, Seth, thank you so much for coming on, dude. You were so much fun. Of course. My pleasure. We're going to have you back again. We're just cycling through and rotating that third chair. I'm just the fact that you have managed to uh, fell Michael Darling in a game of Mon Mom puts <laughs> you high. We did tie. That's true. Well, you managed to get the correct answer, which many of mm. our third chairs have not. Mm. So that puts you at higher on the uh, reserve list. But in the meantime, until we have you back, where can people find you? You mentioned you have a, have a podcast of your own. Yes. Uh, so I have a podcast of my own called 40s on 40s. You can find us uh, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Um, you can find us on the Apple Podcast Network. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud. Uh, we even have a Facebook and Instagram that are occasionally updated when we bring you new episodes. <laughs> uh, so you can find me there. Um, I also do varying amounts of musical projects that are completely irrelevant to this podcast. So I would say if you happen to Cowboy Palace, you there's an off chance you'll probably see me playing violin there. Renaissance man right there. How many bands are in you these days? Currently four-ish. Four bands. Kind of working that out. Do you, do you work as a little bit more of a session musician or are these like... Kind of both. Um, I work as a session musician, but then I also have my own band. I play in a couple cover bands. I play with people in town whenever they need violin and or occasional drums. And that's pretty much what I do. Sorry, when don't I'm... try to duck it that quickly. You don't get to say that you play a couple cover bands and not tell us what you cover. <laughs> what are you covering? Okay, sorry. So two of the bands are country bands. Uh, so I cover a lot of country music. Mm-hmm. One of what one of them is an Irish punk band. So I cover a lot of Irish music and a lot of punk rock alternative music and that. Uh, my own band is called Kid Carrion, and they are an original band, which is really fun. Uh, I play violin and yell for them. And then, uh, yeah, just varying other projects in town that I will sub in on kind of in secret until you're there. So <laughs> those are the ones. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having uh, me. Michael, do you have any closing notes for us? No, not really. All right. Well, then in that case, I'm Yonato Blue. I'm Michael Darling. Thanks for being here.
Thank you.